they call me Cindy. Susan Olsen! Susan Olsen! Susan Olsen! They call me Cindy Brady! I make America great again. Making America great. What a pathetic little cunt you are. Hell is waiting for you. Enjoy! 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 I'm living in that market. Enjoy! Susan Olsen, the biggest cunt, drops off hold of fuck you! Enjoy! Enjoy! That was that was that was good, right? Did we just make a song? Did we just <laughs> that was pretty dope. Did we just make a song? Alright, that was the Susan Olsen rap from Hot Dirty P and the Sheriff. It's two o'clock here at Mutiny Radio. You know what that means. That means it's time. It's time here on MutinyRadio.fm. I'm your host, Pam Benjamin. I'm going to have a call-in from Aaron Atkins, Chicagoan comic, now in New Mexico, trippy place. It's time for some call me... Tim. Yes, some call me Tim here at Mutiny Radio, the show at 2 o'clock on Wednesdays. We talk about God and stuff, philosophy, and whatever. What keeps you alive? <laughs> what keeps you from killing yourself? That's basically what some call me Tim is about. I like to talk to people about what they believe in. Belief is a construct <laughs> I, I believe all kinds of crazy things I mean this COVID times woo it is a zombie apocalypse out there everyone wow do not take the bus don't do that don't be crazy don't take the bus it's so weird seeing everybody with masks and social distancing I'm I just I it's so hard for me to conceptualize what's going on in the world right now. It's like, I have a lot of cognitive dissonance going on where I feel like the world is normal, but it's certainly not, it's not at all. And trying to create normalcy in an abnormal time is really messing with my brain. True. But thank goodness that Mutiny Radio is here and still exists. And thank you so much for donating on the GoFundMe and for giving money so that we can keep this place alive. You can always Venmo us at Mutiny Radio or just go to our website, mutinyradio.fm, and click that donate button because rent hasn't stopped. <laughs> it's still happening. Rent. Have to pay it. There was a... Um, down Mission Street the other day, a bunch of cars sort of having a parade of sorts. And they were honking their horns and they're like, cancel the rent, no rent. And I agree with that. Cancel the rent, why are we paying rent? This is the other thing I find very amusing is that we're putting the world on pause for three months, what have you. And everyone's being taken care of. You know, we're helping People are not going to hopefully lose their homes and their lives and all these kinds of things. But 
I don't have a job. I've been creating. I'm so lucky. I feel great that I'm an artist and I have things to do, like write scripts and do write comedy and have Mutiny Radio to express myself. I'm very lucky. But my point is that the government's kind of taking care of all of us and we're going to all be okay. Why didn't we do this 20 years ago? Oh, oh, the government could take care of everybody? Oh, they had the ability to do that? They had the ability for everyone who had a job to not have a job and they're still okay? Um, 20 years ago, this would have been nice. I could have been an artist all this time. I, I feel like these COVID times are amazing. Remember Virginia Woolf, A Room of One's Own? Uh, for an artist to truly create, and she was talking about women in fiction particularly, but that in order to create, one needs to not have the pressure and stress of maintaining their lifestyle. You should be able to eat and have a place to live in order to truly create without bounds. That's what Virginia Woolf was saying. Now, our toe, on the other hand, says, no, you can't truly be an artist unless you're hungry, literally and metaphorically. So little differing. I'm on the Virginia Woolf tip. I say, yeah, give me a room of one's own. And I, that's what I have right now. And I love it. So it would have been great if years ago we could be funding artists and <laughs> say, hey, your work and your creative output has value and meaning to us. And therefore, we're going to help you have the option of being able to express yourself because we need you because entertainment's important or diversion or whatever artists are doing. Why are we doing it? I don't know. I mean, I know why because <laughs> I need, I need, I need to put something in the world and have people respond to it so that I can feel alive. Oh, there you go. Waiting for Aaron Atkins to call 415-550-0511. We're going to have a conversation about all kinds of things. Oof, last night I had the opportunity to social distance with my buddy, drummer comedian Aaron Barrett at his music studio. And I tried to play drums. I suck. <laughs> I suck at drums. I love them, but I suck. We were singing, we were playing drums, we were listening to music. He does not like the Smashing Pumpkins as much as I do. I'm definitely on a Smashing Pumpkins kick right now because I'm owning it. I've loved them since, I mean, there was a seminal time in the 90, early the 90s, okay? I was in college and I loved the Smashing Pumpkins. And at the time, it was cool to do that because they were very cool. But then, all of a sudden, for years, it was not cool. And I kept it secret. I kept my love of the Smashing Pumpkins secret. But it's back, back in a big way. And I remember all of those feelings that I felt in college when those songs were playing and those feelings still exist. And music brings memories to the surface. So listen to some music. I haven't listened to this much music in a long time and I think it has a lot to do with COVID because I'm alone. I'm alone in my house <laughs> with my cats. And God bless my cats. Hey, if you have a cat, pet your cat right now and look at your cat in its little kitty face. You say, I love you, I love you. You make my life so much better. You make my life so much better. Cat. Love my cats. So last night I had the opportunity to play drums down at the studio. 
had a great time. Suddenly, look at the clock. Oh, it's 4 a.m. Oh, is it? Is it 4 a.m.? These, this is, you know, it's very safe to walk in the Tenderloin at 4 a.m. because everyone is sleeping. <laughs> There's nobody awake. And now I carry a stick. So, no worries. Don't worry about me there if you were worried. Oop, there he is. Yay! Aaron Atkins. Hello. Good to be here. Oh, I'm so excited. I'm great. I love COVID. It's um, it's a terrible thing to say, but it's this is truly Virginia Woolf, a room of one's own. I feel like (laughs) the opportunity. I have. I don't have to worry about rent. The the government gave me money. I, I have food stamps. I can eat, and all I have to do is create. I'm in heaven. Yeah, and the station is saved and everything. I mean, yeah. it was, it, it, for those listening at home, this is a, a new disposition that Pam is trying on. Uh, <laughs> she has not always been this positive. I, I, I think, you know, it has. I think things have to get better before they get worse, right? For a while there, COVID, I mean, it's, it was, it's scary. I mean, it still is scary. It's you know? super um, scary. Because of the media and all that. But I think that now everyone is kind of realizing that, like, well, how we were living before wasn't, like, much better. Because <laughs> we had all this stuff to do doesn't necessarily mean that that was, like, a better way of living. And I'm kind of happy to see everybody, you know, back home fucking reading books and shit. Right? People reading books? What the fuck? I know. Yeah, it's um, – well, because everyone got bored of – I mean, I guess they went through their Netflix queue really fast. Yeah. And they're like, yeah. what do I do with my life? And reading is, you know – Amazing. So, yay, yeah, books. Especially for artists, this is such a weird uh, a gift and a curse. It's a curse in that, like, I mean, I, I got a month of shows canceled that I've been working on for, like, a year and a half. You yeah. know? Everybody's had to give up an entire year of shows, essentially. But on the, uh, the the plus side of that is that now there's so many people consuming content. Like, look at, I mean, Tiger King was amazing. I don't think it could have been as, like, societally encompassing. It's just a phenomenon if we weren't all stuck inside. And same for Fiona Apple's new record, too. Fiona Apple is it. back, which is She's amazing. Back. She's back. And more feminine than ever. More feminist than ever. <laughs> Woo! I remember Fiona Apple from the 90s. Uh, some great karaoke tunes that What's she that created. Criminal? Yeah, oh, God. It's one of my favorite one. things to sing for karaoke. I just Definitely I, go to. I just love it. I miss karaoke. It's one of the things I... But I've been singing and listening to music more... Last night... I really, um, I did something I used to do. I drank all night. I went to my friend's, um, <laughs> he has a studio and where his drums and his band play and whatever. And he said, hey, I'm going to be down in my stew. And I was like, I'm going. So I brought a bunch of beers for, for Mexico. And I was, we, we were playing and playing drums and singing and listening to music. And I look at the clock and it's 4 a.m. And I was like, mm. oh my gosh, like, it just it felt so normal because it's something we used Sounds to do. Sounds like your first time doing coke. Yeah, but we did. We were doing. When you just stay just, up until six a.m. talking and you. Just, yeah. I just, love you guys. Just beer, just but um, but for that me, amazing. like I mean, I I used to drink, you know, eight beers in a night and be up for many hours, but I haven't done it in so long, and I'm Good. such a lightweight <laughs> that <Good>. I. <laughs> I'm drunk right now. I'm still drunk. I, I'm really glad that no one's coming into the studio today because I'm sure. I, I mean, I can't really <laughs> smell myself, but I know that this is, oof, 
today that's was... a dream though being drunk on air are you kidding me I, I can't count the times that i've been just shit-faced in the bar and like yeah i need a fucking podcast <laughs> i need it i just i just need someone to not respond to me while i talk for the next two hours right well i mean i'm excited that you called in what you're in truth or consequences new mexico which is a real place Yes, ma'am, it is. It's one of the most beautiful. I think New Mexico is the most enchanted place on this earth. I think God lives in the ground here. Uh, my grandma is kind of this like mystic woman that traveled the world and, and, and is like a, a Buddhist priest now or whatever. Wow. And she um, she moved down to New Mexico uh, into Tularosa, and she's living in this old adobe built in like the 1850s. Whoa. It's fucking insane. And when I was a kid, I used to go visit her and just pick artifacts off the wall and pick apricots in the yard and, oh. and, and, and swim in the canals built by these ancient native I guess they were built more like in the 50s but whatever you know <laughs> ancient canal you know is it, I think New Mexico is just this really magical place and truth of consequences especially because it's built on top of this fucking like hot spring oh. one of the, the biggest hot springs in the world and it's right on the Rio Grande. Billy, the kid's from here. Oh. Tiny, tiny little town, about maybe like no more than a thousand people. It's just amazing. It's just so much that you can do here in in the way of not doing anything. You Are know, you just walking around, sitting on the lake? You're just walking around, enjoying the nature, and the you're taking in that splendor. Oh yeah, I was a little late to this call. I'm, I I I don't know if anybody noticed. I'm coming in at three o seven or two o seven. Um. I, because I, I I couldn't resist. I had to go out onto the river and uh, go for a little swim. You just you can't keep looking at it all day and not just this. Fucking, it's just so beautiful here. Anyone who's ever been to New Mexico, you know what I'm talking about. Anyone who's never been to New Mexico, you gotta go. It's I need to Arizona. go to New Mexico. Uh, I've I, there. It's been a beautiful apocalypse here too. I didn't think the weather was going to be so nice. The sky has been, the sky has been so blue and so beautiful. I've oh. just had to do a ton of hallucinogens because it's a <laughs> canvas and I'm, I can't stop staring at the sky and I, I'm walking around and I've got like my head literally in the clouds and I'm looking up and people are looking at me like, what are you looking at you weirdo? And I'm like, do you not see that? Are we not experiencing this together? There's not, I'm surprised at how many people are not enjoying this time. Like, we can yeah. still walk around. Like, you can go outside and walk. It's it's okay. Yeah. You're allowed to. You can smile. You can smile. Well, it's weird with the mask on. So, I don't. Oh, true. <laughs> I don't wear the mask. I only wear the mask when I'm inside, like a store, or if I'm on the bus, which right. I don't do right. very much. But when I'm walking around, I'm not wearing the damn mask. Yeah. Because I, I, I'm walking here. Uh, but yeah. it's weird, like, not seeing people's expressions and seeing if they're smiling mm -hmm. or not. I can't tell what's going on with them. And it's it's so... Black mirror, man. Yeah. It's so distancing and all of this. I, I'm still... I don't know what's going on. I don't even know if it's real. There's only 25 people who've died in San Francisco County. Um, oh, actually, apparently they just... Like re, they changed it because apparently the first death in the United States, they thought it was in Washington. Turns out, it happened a month earlier in Santa Clara. Oh, ooh, that's fucking terrifying! Wow, it was a month before the first reported death, and apparently, the first death actually happened in Santa Clara. Wow, uh, that's just fucking. That's terrifying, right? Yeah. 
<laughs> and that's where you were staying when you were here for the festival. Yeah, Weren't I, you? I, I, I was up. I was up in mountains. Oh, okay. The, the hippest neighborhood. For those of you who don't know, it's a little spot right in the middle of San Francisco. Coolest most artistic, beautiful little spot. I fucking hate being from the suburbs. What a, sh- what a boring thing to say to people. <laughs> You're from the suburbs? I'm from, yeah, I'm from, I'm from Mountain View. I'm from Mountain from View. San Francisco? Yeah, kind of. Well, uh, I, grew, I grew up in Danville, and when people say, oh, are you from San Francisco? I say, well, yeah. Bay Area. And they're like, so you're not from San Francisco. I'm like, kind of, sort of. Yeah. I mean, I came into the city a lot as a kid, but... No, yeah. not technically. Yeah, I spent a lot of time in San Francisco as a kid. Yeah. But, I mean, I don't know. I'm still I'm still going to say it, dude. I don't care. Like, L.A. is fucking huge. Fools that live in Orange County be like, I'm from L.A. It's like, no, you're not. But, like, you are. It's the same culture. Right. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know. Soul-sucking wasteland. This, delete this conversation because it's very much a part of my brand to say I'm from San Francisco. <laughs> Born and raised. Until I was 28, I lived in the Tenderloin as a painter of <laughs> ceramic... The the tenderloin is getting crazy right now. Like, so all the people that are questionably housed, I guess the city gave them all these green tents. Like everyone has green tents now, and it's like Mm. Burning Man without the nature. It's tents (laughs) everywhere. There's people living on. I mean, next to the library, there's like sixty tents, and I'm not even exaggerating. That's it's like crazy. at least 60, and they're all sort of like grouped together. They're not six feet apart. And when you like walk up, Berkeley. it's like it's it's like, it's like like a park in Berkeley. It is. And, and <laughs> it's crazy. There's also, I, I love it. When I, Every day I walk down Leavenworth, there's these guys that have this huge jar of weed. It's like three ounces of weed in a jar, and they're just openly selling it on the street. Fucking A. I know, right? It's, my way. it's amazing. You just walk by and they're like, did you need any trees today? And I'm like, I'm straight, but I'm so glad that you're doing this. I'm proud of you, and the future is now. And in, it's in, just- in Chicago, they walk through the L just going loud, 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 loud. And you can just it's – like, it's like a little sushi boathouse of drugs. They come by with weed, coke, heroin. Just look up from your iPhone and be like, yeah, it's like – I've learned now they, um, they have a pill bottle and they shake it like a rattle. And that's how you know. Ooh. Yeah, so you're walking around, and you get you hear shaky, 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 shaky. I, I I heard one guy, not not shaking it, but he was going loud, loud, loud. Venmo cash app, loud, loud, loud. Wow. Venmo cash app, man. That's that's good business. Absolutely. Well, Venmo made it really easy to be a prostitute. I mean, it's the <sighs> easiest way. You seen this OnlyFans thing going on, Pat? This what? Own this degeneracy. I, I, hey, I, I, I think sex workers needed to get Venmo years ago. I am, I am a hundred percent pro sex work. I think that we should legalize it and let the ladies or gentlemen, whoever, uh, if you want to use your body for monetary gain, I think that's your volition and you should be able to do that because there's a market for it. <laughs> there is a market for it, but if you have the ability and the means to use your brain instead, I still think that that is usually preferable. And not only that, but these bitches, it's not sex work, Pam. It's bikini work. It's its not, you're not getting pics of, of anything you want to see. It's just, you pay five bucks to find out that this, this it's just a Snapchat. It's just a regular, it's, I'm, I'm very angry. I've lost too much money. 
boobs. <laughs> no, I, I, seriously, like a lot of these, this photo is like bikini pics. It's like I'm not. I didn't pay five bucks for that. Fair, not fair. Not five, fair. Five, five, five. This is the true, the true oppressed. It's not the sex workers. It's us that, that get duped. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna. I don't know. I I need to be touched. I'm like so. I've I hurt myself masturbating this week. I masturbated so much that I think I injured my vagina. Like it's. You ever, oh my fucking god! All that friction. It is. It's all the friction. Jesus. You ever you ever you ever jerked off on poppers? I don't. No, I've never done poppers. I don't know. I know that what? you get them at truck stops or you get them at. I don't know what they are. Store. Wait, really? No, I, okay. I okay. Do this. Do this. Get a little bit. Get some poppers. If you if you like porn, poppers make porn. It's like VR. I don't know what it is. You know, like in Danny Phantom when he like jumps into the television screen uh-huh. and they're like, that's what it's like. Like your brain just kind of like turns off everything but the horny part, and you just like, it, I don't know. It like it just really enables you to be four times as horny as you've ever fucking what, been. What is that drug though? I don't understand what poppers are it's not a methamphetamine it's just um it's like a cleaning fluid it's essentially it's the same concept as like huffing paint basically where it's just like it goes to your brain really fast it's like you ever done a space monkey where like you squat down huff a bunch of air and then strangle yourself as you jump up really fast and your brain like loses all this oxygen and you go into this weird it just puts you into some weird like I don't know how to explain it. It's it, it, it's like if you do computer duster, it just puts you into that really, really, really weird headspace where you're just super fucking horny. Wow. And it's it's good with porn if you like. Honestly, it's, it, I mean the reason why it's legal is because it's a gay sex drug, because um, it helps your your butthole open up, which is really helpful. Oh, um, all right. You relaxes. Wow. Okay. It, it does relax your butthole, but the only thing that kind of makes it is that it's impossible to make love on poppers. You can only fuck. Oh. You, you just become like a, a like a rabid animal, you know? <laughs> and if you're with someone else, you're like clawing at them and trying to like hurt them, and like break their butt cheeks apart. But if it's just like you alone in your bathroom, like huffing poppers, watching porn, it's great. All right. Poppers. Sex. Damn. Yeah, I'm. It's been uh, it's it's been a a while a, a while for me since I've enjoyed the. I don't, I don't know if it's radio talk. I I heard there there was no relationship trouble. I hope I hope it works yeah, out. Yeah, um, Tinder or something. Yeah, well, it's one of those things where I kind of decided. I mean, I was in a seven year monogamous relationship, and I mm. decided I wanted to open it up. I wanted to be like, hey, can we have an open relationship? And he was did not want any of those shenanigans so mm-hmm. i was like okay i just i'm too i'm too old i'm 45 and if i i don't want to have any and especially in covid times i don't want to have any regrets so not right. that, and nothing's happened nothing's happened that i oh, i mean i i sort of cleared the board so that if i wanted something well that's the problem it takes two to tango but uh yeah so i'm like single again i haven't been single in seven years but it's covid so it's not like i'm gonna do anything anyway there's nobody right there's no one to make out with there's no there's nowhere right. to go it's hard, yeah i'm like well, was, the, was the suggestion of an open relationship was that the problem was that like offensive or, or... yeah i think so um it's i hard to approach right well and i it's one of those things where 
I, I just wanted to be honest. I didn't want to, I didn't want to have, I was starting to live a double life where there were people that I was spending exorbitant amounts of time with and I was really enjoying that time. Mm. And I, you know, I didn't want to, I just didn't want to, I didn't want to cheat. I, and I, I didn't even, I didn't want to cheat like emotionally either that like to have these sort of right. like feelings and I don't know. So I just, I was. Good for I, you that you could break it off cleanly and, and, and recognize that before you break your own morals. Right. Well, I didn't. That's incredible. I don't like to, I just, I've, I'm too old now to, to lie. Like, I just mm. don't see the point. And when I was like, you know, in college and I was a kid, I never would have made a decision like this. I would have snuck around behind my now ex-husband's back. I would have easily just been like, I'll just keep it secret because it's somehow, mm. it's not easier, but it feels easier at the time maybe than being. Yeah, instantly. Yeah. Rather but, but than. It creates all this shit that you have to confront in like a couple days. Right. And I just didn't want to, I didn't want to do that because, yeah. so, and, and not there. I mean, I don't think that any relationship is ever over. I think that anything that any wants to, anyone wants to have happen in a relationship can happen as long as they're willing to make the sacrifices or they, right to, to do, to have that if they want it. So but is that worth it? Is that healthy? Is that the best thing to do? It, that's kind of the intellectual side of it. Right. Um, I, I, I'm kind of, I'm going through a breakup right now myself actually. I'm uh, team team single again for the similar stuff. I do think that like yeah, a, a lot of the issues that we have, it's like I you could work these out just kind of by compartmentalizing it, you know, just like not thinking about this horrible thing. But for the most part, it's like you know, you, you that, that, that 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 might be what your heart wants, but you need to take that intellectual side and be like, you know, I don't think that this is the healthiest thing for me to be doing and regardless of whether or not like it's over over i'm a completely different person now right you know? like if anything whether i like it or not i reflect parts of this person in myself and i always will and vice versa yeah but yeah it could be inspiring it could be depressing as well <laughs> well I, i'm i've been so insp- that now that's the other component is that um in my in my relationship and i i love i still love him very very much but he right. he never inspired me creatively like i and hanging out with the people that i've been hanging out with and the the comedians and i've been so creative i've written all these crazy scripts i've mm. i've i have i've written like 13 poems and I've submitted some of them and I think one of them's going to get published and Ooh, I know I'm super stoked. There's all of these submissions on, I was like, I'm just, I haven't written poetry in so long and mm. I've been so inspired by these people that I've been hanging out with creatively that I, I just wanted to jump in with both feet and not have you know, to feel like I'm doing anything wrong by indulging in these feelings Hell yeah. So, yeah, I mean. That's a beautiful thing to say. You know, you know what I think you, know what I think you need now? Hmm. You, you don't need a boyfriend. You need a muse. Well, I have one. That's the whole point. The, I mean, oh, fuck. I have my muse. He's, I mean, that's kind of why it's, I didn't break up with my boyfriend for him, but hmm. I, but be I, honest with him to be able to not lie and stuff. Right. And to say that this other person is creatively inspiring me in a way that I want to explore this. Like I'm. And I don't, I don't want to explore it and feel guilty about exploring it. 
And so exactly. I, you won't be able to explore it if you feel that way. Yeah, I've got the you know? feels. And and the, I love feeling feelings. I love it. Even when they're painful and difficult, that helps me even be sort of more creative about it because I'm trying to take these feelings and express them in a meaningful way that other people can understand too. Right. And in it's, that process. I've been writing some pretty, pretty poems. They're pretty. They're love. I mean, they're mm. all love poems, but, and it, and they're but they're good I'm really proud of myself I'm like I haven't written this much since graduate school so yeah what kind of what, what kind of poetry do you write actually I'm kind of do you, do you do like haikus and stuff or um I mean I've Whitman done some kind of abstract I've done some haikus recently but and I usually do haikus to inform my other work so there's um a poem that I wrote in couplets and one of the couplets is a haiku that's um the secret is knowing the difference between butterflies and trash. Ooh. Yeah. One's an insect, one's a, uh, could be anything. Well, it's, I mean, it's a real thing that happened. I was walking down the street, and I thought I saw a butterfly, but really it was just it was just a yellow piece of burrito wrapper. And I was like, oh, that's not a butterfly. But then also... Oh, that's a beautiful image. <laughs> just, but, I like that image. Yeah, and I... yellow wrapper. Yeah, it's just a little a little piece of burrito wrapper. And so when I started the poem, it was a longer couplet, and it was like, the secret is knowing the difference between butterflies and a piece of floating yellow trash. But that was too wordy. So I redacted it into a haiku, and it was just simple, and then I inserted it back into the poem. I'm telling you right now, there's something. I really like the fluttering yellow uh, burrito wrapper. I think that there's a lot more in that image. Yeah. I love that. I love that. I love writing, man. God damn it. I love words. I do, too. I've been thinking of moments of time that I'm trying to remember. So there there have been some magical fucking things that have happened to me recently, like very magical. And, and while they're happening, I'm like laughing to myself and just like so blissful about it and I keep telling myself like remember this remember this remember this and I try to like take a picture of it with my brain and then I try to use the words to maintain that picture and I think of them like little pearls on a string and then there's a little Mm. knot in between them and so it's these images that I like ponder and love I just and I and I once they're in words and they exist I'm so happy because I can to relive it. Right, exactly. Forever. It's like Right, it's like a concrete memory of words and it just Yeah. I'm just so I'm just too romantic for my own good. <laughs> I too, too fucking emo. I, I I grew up my, my my sister is a phenomenal painter and drawer. She just like it's fucking incredible how good she is this. And I always like envied how you could create something like that, you know, like create this art. And I think painting is kind of like the quintessential art in that sense where you start with like a blank slate and then you fill it with all these, this color and it creates this feeling of emotion and beauty in your brain. And I always wanted to do that. And I just never, not until recently, like in the last four years, did I ever make the connection to like words or words on a blank page are the same as paints on a blank page. You know, it's the exact same thing. Yeah. You know, it is the exact same thing, and it's fucking. There's nothing. There's no better feeling to me than knowing, than thinking of a premise for a joke and having no idea how I'm going to get it across yet. Just sitting at a blank, just sitting at a laptop with like three cups of coffee. You know, it's funny, and you just gotta like 
move the words around. It's like a Rubik's cube almost. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And um, I I feel that way with jokes where you say it one way. And then you go, oh, wait a minute. If I just switch the order. Right. Like, or do you say it out loud and then you're like, oh, fuck. And it just. Yeah. Yeah. It's oh, oh. the, the punchline is not always what I think. Like sometimes what I think the punchline is, it, I it's in the middle. And then I'm like, fuck. Okay. And then I move it to the end and I'm like, okay. Exactly. That's... It's, it's so weird. It's so, there's like, like, like a joke could be three sentences. And the, the first sentence and the third sentence are set up knockdown pretty clear. Uh, and the second sentence doesn't need to be there at all. And I can spend an hour looking at it and just being like, fuck, how does this, how does this, what am I, what is this, what's, what do I, how is this not, what's going, and I just delete the second sentence, I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, it, 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 it just say it out loud one time, and you're like, oh, I don't need to, I don't need to talk about turtles here. Omit unnecessary words, it's a uh, strunk and white, number one rule, omit unnecessary exactly. words. I don't like memorizing any of my jokes, because when I do, that's when I get all that, that, that those unnecessary words. I only like to memorize what's funny about it so you can go up there and deliver it in the moment. And any fat words that are there are like kind of um, like empathy. I feel like fat words that are in the moment are like you. But when you write them down, like, you know what I mean? Right, absolutely. Down, like dialogue where it's like, huh, what? Okay. Like when you write that down, it always sounds kind of like stilted. But in the moment, if someone talks to you and you go, huh, what? Okay. Right. It's natural. It's, so if I, you can't write that down in a way. It's like putting I mean or yeah, exactly. words, just extra stuff. And I agree. If it happens in the moment, it's that's because stand-up is conversational. And yeah. it makes – and that, that, um, that the factor of improv and when the audience – when mm. they don't think – they know think, you're in the room. Right. They know that you're present because you said something that – responded to them and it wasn't part of your shtick exactly. part of your lines yeah this like, guy's just naturally funny right you know, something, uh, <laughs> here in truth or consequences um it's a lot of old retired folks and if there's one thing that these like old white men really love it's these packaged jokes that they've had like in their wallet for 20 years and i just they're really honestly i Fucking love it. I think it's like the pinnacle of comedy sometimes. These really like, like okay, here in truth or consequences, the you know how like high high schools they go and they put their letter up on like a hill. Right. You know what I mean. Yeah. All right. Well, truth or consequences, they put a T up on one of the hills looking above the city, but it's not very high up on the hill. And um, one of these old guys that I was talking to on the street, he said, uh, "Yeah, you know, you know." Uh, they wouldn't. They would have put it higher, but everyone in the town's so old, so uh, they had to. They had to use low T. <laughs> Get it? Low T. You said it better than me. <laughs> but I, I was like, that, that's just. It's just funny because it doesn't even. I mean, obviously you have to say it right, but it's all just. It doesn't. It doesn't need to exist in the moment. You know what I mean? It doesn't have to be like, whoa, he's so witty. He just came up with this on the spot. It's just like, here are these words. And here's how that word is subverted. And it's just funny. It's just funny. So you're like the youngest person in truth or consequences right now? There's no... By like 50 years. Yeah. yeah. There really is nobody else. But, I mean, I kind of love that. There's nobody else here. I'm living alone in this little mobile home by the Rio Grande. Cool. I, I just, it's perfect isolation. What, uh, so why did you leave Chicago? You just were like, no, there's no school to do. I just need to get out of here? 
Yeah, well, my lease was up. I was having uh, drug problems again. Oh. I knew I couldn't. I couldn't. It got to. It was getting to the point where I couldn't like walk around my neighborhood without getting stopped by homeless people. Um, wow, so asking I, asking you to buy drugs. <laughs> well, yeah, asking me if I want to buy drugs, or being like, specifically this one guy that keeps trying to give me free shit, and that's why whenever I see him, it's literally it's like my body like freezes up because he's give me free heroin. Right. I it just I, I see him on his bike and it really just it fucks with me. I to the point where I, I I really I couldn't walk outside a block to go to my to go to the park, you know. Um, but also my lease was up. School's kind of ending. Uh, yeah, I mean, are you going to go back to school in the fall, or you would just have no idea if school even is going to exist? Yeah, I'm going to school in uh in Manchester. In oh right. So this was in the perfect time for you to get out of Chicago. And I mean, if if you're in New Mexico. There's no drugs there. <laughs> there are, but um, I, honestly, there's not enough people for me to network to find drugs. Right. So I'm going to continue to not. That's great. And <laughs> I think we'll be good. Also, I think it's more meth out here. Oh, yuck. Yeah, and I, that's something I don't touch because I have legitimately – meth and crack are the only things where I, like, I, I just see – yeah. yeah, there's not enough of a romantic aspect to it. To no, and there's no, myself, there's yeah. no romanticism in in meth at all. I got, I got in and out of meth. It, I was only when I was 25. I got mm. into meth for about three months, pretty hardcore. And mm. it, af, there were some, it was I crazy. I was, I was teaching junior high at the time, and I was, what? Yeah, I know. I was teaching junior high, and I was um, the stage manager and dance captain of play at the time it was um that one was uh west side story i was the stage manager and the dance captain and so i was i was just working non-stop i was teaching during the morning and then i'd go home and eat and then like maybe take a nap and go to rehearsal and it was all night and i just was and so i started doing a bunch of meth and in the beginning i was like this is amazing i can do everything i can teach i can do this it's just a little bit of meth it's just a little bit of meth and was it crystal or were you, or were you smoking pills? No, it was it was crystal. I was snorting it. Um, this is like in '97. Mm. Yeah, I was 25, 90, 97, 98. I can imagine you on, on meth. I can imagine meth, Pam. Yeah, I mean, I was I was losing it. I wrote I I wrote this like novel that didn't make any sense. It was based on Scrabble, <laughs> and like all the all the words had to equal a certain amount on the page each sentence had to be a certain amount of points like scrabble points and so i'd sit and pour over this manuscript and just change words because of their point scorage in scrabble what the fuck i know and it didn't make any sense at all it made no sense but i thought it did i was like oh this is so important this is a seminal work this is really important and i was teaching oh. junior high and the kids didn't know i had two aides in the classroom and I was teaching special ed even, and I was off my fucking rocker. I mean, Jesus. yeah, it was. So I got in and out that pre makes pretty quick. That crazy, though. Like, heroin, yeah. like, I, it never gave me as bad of, like, delusions. It really didn't fuck with, like, my brain processing in the same way that I've, like, seen meth. Really, like, especially, like, my musician friends and shit, like, those fools get fucking manic yeah those fools make some shit in the morning and are literally like one of my friends forced us to sit in his car and listen to a three-hour record that he made that morning we were not allowed to look at our phones or talk <laughs> for three hours driving around chicago and it was 
it's like experimental electronic music. This is not, it's not like, it's not easy, whatever. Yeah, it's I like boops and beeps, moogs, moogs, the, 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 the I know, uh, yeah, electronical stuff, and you're like, well, is this avant-garde, or is, is this, are you methed out? Is it bad, right? Is it avant-garde, or is it bad? Who right. knows? I don't know enough about it to know that. I just know, I mean, especially if you're, like, fucked up, it makes you, it makes the music that much better. The, the only time I've ever actually done meth, I guess I technically have, is when I used to smoke, um, I used to smoke my pills a lot of the time. I used to buy pills and smoke them to, um, to finish this fucking Edinburgh show. Right. Uh, because it's just like, I, I'm just looking out at, the, at, at at 30 pages that you don't, like you're only halfway done and you're already like 20 pages over how many you should be doing. It's just discouraging. You need something to keep going. I mean, you can't really work on opiates. So the only no, I know that, that makes you feel that good is, you know? I had that, um, I did a fentanyl patch once. I had, my ex-husband's, oh. I know, my ex-husband's father, my ex-father-in-law, like, he died, and he had just terrible, terrible liver cancer, and so he willed me all of his drugs, so I had these fentanyl patches, yeah, and it's like deathbed, he was like, give all my drugs to Pam, so I got all these Marinol pills, which are amazing, synthetic, pharmaceutical grade, um, THC, mm. they're amazing, they last for like six hours you get super hungry and just wicked super high they're these little orange pills so those and there was this um pharmaceutical cocaine basically but you don't snort it it's in a pill form and i can't remember what it's called it's like they're amazing some that's i honestly analog you ever done a pcp analog i no, i've never i i've accidentally taken pcp but i've never taken it on purpose dude any chinese analogs are <laughs> That's some shit that you can never replicate, and so you can't get addicted to it, right? Am I right, everybody? <laughs> I know I'm right. One of the greatest tricks um, that I learned from being a preppy-looking white boy trying to buy drugs in the tenderloin was to play up the fact that you don't know what you're doing, even though you may, because there's a scam that people love to pull. Especially, you know the Safeway in the tenderloin, you know? Yeah, yeah. There's a scam they used to pull where, like, you know, if they think that you're new you're buying for the first time they give you shit that's way too strong oh and so like you pass out and they just run through your wallet and shit like that um and that's a good thing because they give you shit that's strong right <laughs> so, right right so you just and, like, play dumb you just play dumb and they give you fentanyl wow well fentanyl's if you play, so dangerous if you play junkie they give you nothing <laughs> so the fentanyl patches are crazy because they're transdermal and so you put it on and it just sort of soaks into your skin over time. And it's, they were, so they were, they were 75 milligrams because he was a big guy. And I'm not, I'm no dummy. I'm no dummy. So I didn't like want to put on a full 75 milligrams. So I scored, I scored the, 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 the stuff on the back, the sticky stuff. So I wasn't putting the whole patch on, just a section of it. So I did about 25 milligrams. And after 56 hours, I had to rip it off. I was like, I can't do this. Hours. Yeah, so I had to rip it off my body because I wasn't able to do anything. I couldn't – all I could do is, like, sit in bed with my cat, and even that was difficult. Like, I couldn't – I couldn't read. I couldn't watch TV. I was just, I was just laying there. I was like, oh like I one just my, couldn't. One of my favorite things that I used to do on heroin was I used to just like get totally fucked up and play Minecraft. 
specifically, not even real Minecraft. I'd play Craft Night, which is a mixture of Minecraft and Fortnite. Oh my which god. Is free online at miniclip.com. It's actually a fucking awesome game. Like, unironically, I don't like video games that much, but this one's free. It's online. There's no lag. It's a shooter. It's Minecraft. It's fun. It's great. So you but build just, and then you shoot. No, you don't even build. I mean, you can, but I don't. I just shoot other people and, like, talk mad shit <laughs> in, the, in the chat. It's just, I, I, that and also the other thing I really love to do was um, I used to love watching Anthony Bourdain's <gasps> Parts Unknown because, it, 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 A, it, it was the only thing that, like, it made me feel not guilty about being high, and it also made me, I, I love travel, and I, it just makes you really, really enjoy the show, and also knowing that Anthony Bourdain used to struggle with addiction like that, it makes you feel like, uh, you know, maybe you're not fucked. Yeah. I love it. Maybe you are. He killed himself, right? So. I, I, I don't think that he committed suicide, though. I think it was probably autoerotic asphyxiation. Really? I can't imagine him killing himself. Why would he kill himself? Because he's emo. You, you don't think he's emo? Well, I love all of his books, um, and I know that he struggled with addiction. Um, I, I love one of the stories. He's like, they, he says uh, they put this huge line of cocaine on the bar and crawled on the bar on their hands and knees doing this <laughs> enormous line. And I'm just like, oh my god, I can definitely see him doing that. That um, is the dream. But that's the thing is, he was living the dream. Why would he kill himself? Exactly. Well, sometimes the dream's not enough, and it makes you realize that. See, I don't. You I got, can't. You got nothing else to live for. I can't imagine that that was his. That he was that. I don't think he was emo like that. I think that he was probably jacking off in his hotel room, missed his wife, and just it. That that happened to a. Uh, by by in, the way, that is what poppers is, Pam. Uh, by the way, that's what it's. It, 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 no, no, seriously, it's literally. It's like it's very similar effect where like you cut off the oxygen to your brain, your brain gets like really fucking horny and super like it just makes the orgasm super intense. That's what poppers is. So gotcha. don't hang yourself. Anyone listening at home, children, so <laughs> auto rock asphyxiate. Just do poppers for like twenty bucks. Well, and it's that's like that's like nitrous, I guess too. I yeah, love yeah, nitrous. I I've never like yeah. had sex with nitrous, but. I sung karaoke with yeah. nitrous and almost passed out. I <laughs> love nitrous. Like you I know how to drive a stick shift on, on nitrous. I haven't. I haven't oh. driven in like twelve years. I don't know. I don't remember. Maybe, no. but I love nitrous. I I love like I used to hate going to the dentist until I told them that I wanted nitrous every time I went, and they're like, "Yeah, just do nitrous. Like it's your job. That's cool. We can." <laughs> yes. Oh. Talking about okay, sorry. I thought you were talking about whippets. That's the same thing. Whippets. Is it really? Yeah, whippets are nitrous. It's just that dentists get it in a cool dispenser, like a big I, one. I thought that. Yeah, but I, I but yeah, I, I thought that nitrous was something they give you at the office. It's like it's like slow, and they put give you an oxygen mask, and then whippets are quickly. Well, it's the same. It's the same thing. It's just that it, that's nitrous that they titrate with oxygen so that you get the right amount, so that you don't like pass out real quickly you know I mean that's, that's the best part I know well that's the thing that's why I love nitrous and I it took me so long to like understand what it was in that when I I get this thing in my head where I'm like I know it I know the answer to everything I figured it out and then it it goes away and that's because I'm just about to pass out it's like the oh. moment the moment before you're gonna pass out and being on that sort of edge is like I've seen the future. I've seen the past. I've seen God. I've seen all of it. It's like, you know, a near-death experience when you're 
just about to, you're just about to die. But it's like that feeling like, I don't know if you've ever had it where you're kind of falling asleep, but you catch yourself falling asleep and you yeah, that's feel a that yeah, moment. Out. Yeah. The best is when you think that you might die and you don't care. <laughs> no. That is straight up the best. When you think that like, I don't think I'm sleeping right now. I think I'm, I think I'm dying. And you're just like, all right. That's... Turn up the Bourdain. Oh, well, I'm, I'm sad that that guy's not around anymore because he was a, he was a good, he was a really good writer and a, an excellent oh, personality. Yeah. And don't try to hang yourself when you're jacking off everybody. Yeah, don't just do poppers. <laughs> just do poppers. I, I need to find some of these things. I've never. Wh- how Any do you? Sex store. Where do you get them? You go to like Seven Eleven. Any Eleven? sex store. Any, Any sex store. store. We'll have them. Get the the, the, the it, it, There's a lot of bad poppers out there though. So the the brand that you should get though is the three brands that are always will always not fail you. Rush, Jungle Juice, and. Rush, Jungle Juice. You heard it here, kids. Jungle Juice is the original. Rush is the best. And then there's, like, some other brands. But every time you try one that isn't Rush or Jungle Juice, in my opinion, it's a gamble. Sometimes (laughs) it doesn't work. Sometimes it doesn't last very long. Like, I got some poppers in in Germany, and they were fucking – they melted through the plastic. Ooh. It didn't make me horny at all. Yeah. Also, if you spill any or if you get any on your skin, it'll burn the shit out of you. Awesome. Oh. So it's a liquid. Awesome. You huff a liquid. It's a, it's a, it's in a little um, it's in a little like vial. It's like an essential oil uh-huh. vial. You just you just sniff it, and in about three four seconds, you just get so horny, man. Wow. It's it's twenty bucks. It'll be it's you. Some people do them like when they're not horny, when they're like you know when when they're just like at a party and stuff like that. That's always weird as fuck to me because like I don't want to be standing around with a rock hard boner in <laughs> fucking party that shit that shit makes you so horny I really, honestly if I, I, I it makes for a while every time I get a new bottle I get addicted to porn for a good like two days and then I and then I and then I'm whatever but that fresh that fresh bottle feeling is like god damn I I actually um I'm not a huge um porn connoisseur but i do like gay porn i do like i love gay porn i like dudes i i like dudes on dudes better than because every every porn i've watched with women it seems like they're not having a good time oh yeah or like they didn't part of the appeal i see that that doesn't i don't like that i want everyone to be having a good time and it seems like in gay porn everyone's having a good time all the time yeah. <laughs> everyone's having a really yeah. good time <laughs> and i'm also, down gay with porn, that they have to get actually hot porn stars you know <laughs> like both it's like like straight male porn stars are like fucking man child like they look weird you know but like gay porn stars are always fucking like hotties yeah i i Ugh, I, we, we shouldn't talk about this. I've, I, like I said, I've been masturbating way, way, way too much. But I actually, and this is a sickness, I masturbate to podcasts. What? <laughs> what? That is sickness. That's I listen. Up, I listen to. I listen to um, some of the podcasts from the from the festival, and what? I. What are you? I'm serious, and I look at. I look at. Sometimes I look at a picture. Sometimes I don't. Usually I don't because I have enough pictures You're in my head. You're fucking depraved. What the fuck? I know. And my, <laughs> I have my my imagination is so vivid. I masturbate to podcasts. I, Dude, I sometimes yeah. words do just get you up. I I don't. I never turned off to like 
a, a, not like a podcast, but I took off to these like these like erotic stories. Like I was on this road trip to down here to New Mexico, and I was like, I'm on the road for like ten hours a day. I'm horny as shit. What the fuck? I'm not gonna pull over, dude. And I put on some like erotic story podcast, and I just jerked off in the middle, like going eighty miles an hour in a U-Haul. Fan. You need to write a joke about that. That's amazing. That's hilarious and incredible. <laughs> you know, honestly, I don't do a lot of sex material. Rarely ever. Yeah, there. It's well, there you go. Like, um, it's almost like, uh, like, 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 like race or political material, and that it's more risky because if it doesn't land, that's the only time it's like cringy. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I don't think. I don't think comics always talk about bombing. Like their joke didn't work until they bombed. I don't think that's what bombing is. I think bombing is when like. Yeah, like you humiliate yourself. Yeah. Like, if you go up there and you're just not funny, like, whatever, it doesn't matter. But you go up there and be like, I was jerking off the other day to 9-11 porn. <laughs> and no one likes it. That's when it is, like, that's when it's, that, that, that's embarrassing. That's bombing to me. Yeah. And so, maybe I'm a coward. No, I, hey, it's just a different, what you consider, so... For me, a lot, a lot of times, if people don't necessarily laugh, I don't consider it a bomb because if they're mm. looking at me and they're paying attention and they're not getting a drink or they're not looking at their phone or talking mm. to their neighbor, I win. Like I consider that you're paying attention. Sweet attention. Yeah. yeah maybe you didn't laugh, but I made I, you paid attention enough that you're oh, yeah. thinking about something. So. Sometimes you laugh in your head. Like I, I've seen, I've seen sets at clubs where I've been like. Wow, this guy is really, really, or girl. This, I'm gonna say girl just to be extra progressive. This female woman is really, 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 really funny, and I didn't laugh. I just in my head I was just like, that's funny, that's funny, yeah, that's funny, you know. And so you, honestly, sometimes you can't even gauge your success by whether or not you got laughs. And that seems like the most counterintuitive thing, but sometimes you just gotta know. Yeah, I, I mean, well, yeah, I, I can feel it. We've been doing. I'm so lucky that I have Mutiny Radio. But on Fridays at seven o'clock, we've been doing comedy for the street because a neighbor came I by. I heard. Yeah, my neighbor came by and he was like, "When are you bringing the comedy back?" And I was like, "I we, we can't. Comedy's dead." And he goes, "Well, why don't you just put the speakers on the street and do it from inside?" And I was like, "Really?" And he said, "Yeah, well, you should do that." And so I was like, "Okay." So we've been doing it every week. And people have been bringing, every week. Uh, well, I've been doing. I've done it twice now. This will, this week will be the third week, and um, and it's great. That's and cool. also, like, I mean, I'm not. There's just certain people who have been at the station, and I don't have a problem with them coming back. I'm not like inviting new people to come because I don't want to ask people to break quarantine. I don't want to lure them with stage time because I know that with some comedians, like, they'd be like, "Yeah, whatever, fuck quarantine, I'm going," and I don't want to endanger anyone or I don't want to put anyone's safety and at risk but right. that being said we, we're all six feet apart from each other and the people on the street are six feet apart from each other and right. and it's been great and it means that I get to see my pretty boys because I keep making <laughs> them come back I'm like I'm like hey you want stage time great I get to see you okay, right. but it's it's really good because we have I still have the opportunity the opportunity to perform in front of an audience and I don't know what I'd do without it I I, I mean yeah seriously it's it, it was really hard before we but people on the street seem to love it and the neighbors are getting involved like they're coming back and it's getting warmer so like last week was kind of cold but people still stood out there and brought chairs and because I won't provide them chairs because I don't want 
people to think I'm asking people to gather because I'm like, no, no, right, just right, right. stand here or whatever. But yeah, how many? I, I, Sam was saying it's like what 15 people showed up in the audience. Yeah, yeah, it's been like That's fif- great. 15, 20 people, and then the That's and then the off. comics. Yeah, yeah, and it it's 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 good to be able to provide stage time because it makes me feel like um, I still have value. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, exactly. What am I? I mean, like, yeah, my your identity kind of like floats away when you're just sitting inside all day doing nothing, doing stuff that does not define me. Right. I don't know how to process any of my fucking emotions without uh, without getting up there and saying anything. I mean, honestly, I, 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 my, my social skills are not very good with people that either a I don't know or b have higher status than me. Uh-huh. So I can't like. I, I'm never funny in conversation, really? you know. Like I just I can't think of funny shit on the spot, and I definitely can't commit to funny shit on the spot. And so the only time that I get to really like exercise, like talking, you know, <laughs> like like being able to process my emotions as myself through my mouth, uh, and being funny and doing it in a way that I enjoy is on stage. And without that, all I can do is talk to myself. Right. Which which ain't so bad. Cause I, I've been I've been talking to myself a ton, like oh, yeah. on the street, walking around. I've been singing. I don't care. Like I'm. Yeah, just... I've been making myself laugh. Yeah. <laughs> was, I, I've said some stuff where I caught myself off guard. And I was like, oh, oh, oh. Uh, yeah. I, I've been doing a ton of soul searching and stuff. I mean, like, I had a psychological breakthrough last week where I realized some stuff about myself, and I just, I mm. I was so happy, and I was like, how did I? And I'm like. Looking, I'm like high fiving myself and feeling because I don't I don't necessarily have anyone to share it with like this right by th- because I don't have a, I mean that's I, what makes it feel real like putting it out into the world and telling someone so they can remind you if you forget right Ugh. well it was that I I found my I found my trauma I realized why I'm a 14 year old girl like when people like my persona or whoever I am as a person, I, I've always felt like I was 14 and I never really, I never really figured out why until last week I did a ton of drugs. I did, I did a bunch of shrooms and I was sitting there alone and I was like, oh my God, I know why. Cause the biggest trauma of my life, which I didn't even acknowledge as a trauma happened when I was 14. And I was like, that's why, that's why I am the way I am. as a trauma though. No, well, no, I never have. I've never, I've always known that it happened, but I never acknowledged it for its life-shattering impact. And, and right, and that was the defense mechanism, you think? Yeah, well, so the, the the moment, and it's the reason why I do comedy now, too, I think. And that's, the, the reason that I am who I am is that when I was 14 years old, I was a freshman in high school, and I had, I had switched... I went to a different junior high than high school that everyone else went to. I went to the, anyway. And in junior high, I was really popular and I had lots of friends. And it was the, eighth grade was the best year of my life. I was 13 and I, I had friends. People liked me. I wasn't weird. I was I was getting good grades, whatever. And then right. I had to go to this other high school. And I thought for some reason that I'd still, that it'd be really easy and I'd be popular and have friends. And that didn't happen. I, I, I ran for hmm. student class president of and w- the audacity of me to do that, right? Ooh, For a different, and I got oh, so mercilessly, sorry. yeah, I got mercilessly made fun of on stage oh, by on stage. Yeah, because we were giving these speeches, and I went up, and I gave a speech, and I said, "Hey, I know I'm from the other school, and but 
and I gave my really I gave a really good speech and I was up there in front of everybody and the guy went up after me and his name was Max. And I don't remember his last name. But he his entire speech was tearing me down and said like you went this girl went to Los Cerros, you think she thinks that she can represent us and just like mercilessly made fun of me oh. during his thing. And obviously I didn't win, but it was and I didn't even, you know, it was one of those things where, why didn't anybody tell me? Why didn't my parents tell me, don't run for president of a class? Why, why would you do that? Nobody, nobody clued me in. And I became this big, huge joke. And, and I, and it sort of uh, followed me around forever. It's hard to perform like that. I mean, I bet that, that's such a performative trauma too. Yeah. Being on stage in front of people—that sounds awful. It was I terrible. Had kind of a, I, I had kind of a similar experience when I was 16. Um, when I, I got I, I got expelled from from art school for drug shit, and <laughs> what happened was like it was—I don't know if I already told you—it was it was finals week, and I had just finished my final in chemistry class, and I was like, "Great, I'm done. I'm going to drop acid right now," and I did. I dropped like two or three tabs in the middle of this class because my walk, I'll walk home. It'll be. I'll just sit home, I don't know, just fucking do whatever, right? Can't be sober. As I'm walking out of class to the student parking lot, uh, my English teacher from the art school goes, uh, hey, you ready for your final today? <gasps> and I was like, yeah. <laughs> and it's a final presentation that I had not even started on, oh. but I had to present to the entire school. Oh. And as I'm thinking, I have to sit in the, I'm sitting in the fucking, in, 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 the, in the recording studio, fucking just trying to, like, write out what I'm going to say, like, this entire project. It's a six-minute presentation. I'm like, okay, 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 I, I got to go first before before I start, like, really, really tweaking, okay? <laughs> so I go up there and I go first. And the confusion hits me. <gasps> I can't speak. I can't, I can't. I literally, I cannot form. Right. There's no language like, in your head. Like, there's, there's just no, no words. Yeah. I'm just up there. I'm just mumbling. And I'm like, uh, I don't, like, I just mumbled for minutes. And then I was like, okay, okay I'm done. I just fucking sat down, and they were like, no, you're not. And they made me get up out of my seat, out of the audience, to go stand up there until the timer of six minutes was up. No. Standing there in front of everybody, tweaking, proving that I was the junkie that everybody knew I was. And then I had to go sit down in the audience for the next three hours and watch everyone else's presentations. Oh, my gosh. Yep. And then to make it even more awkward, when I left, going home, I don't know why, but I somehow got a ride from a kid that I don't fucking like, that I never <laughs> liked. And he was like, you want a ride? And I was like, okay. And I still couldn't speak to him. So it was some awkward I, – I, just some awkward silence sitting in this car for, like, the entire ride home. That, this kid that I don't even like, that I'm realizing, like, I don't even like this kid. Why did I fucking see her? He's realizing that he don't, like, we don't like each other. Why are we, why is he even giving me a ride home? And then I'm like, you can just let me off here. And he's like, but it's in your house up there. I'm like, hey, I guess you can just go further, I guess. And then I, I'm like, no, I'll just get out here. And it's like, you're, dude, your, ho- your house is like a block away. And I'm like, oh, right. It's fucking, I, I, I think I, I see what, I, 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 I see what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> is well, that this trauma, especially performative trauma, yeah. I feel like it, it instills something in people to want to, redeem themselves from that to be socially accepted especially comedy when you're bringing down a whole house everyone you're up on stage everyone's looking at you everyone thinks you're great you know yeah i think there's a lot to that 
I, it's, it's everything to me. <laughs> I need, I need it. But I realized oh, yeah. that that's why I need it is that I was so mortified <laughs> and, and now it's almost like I seek that out. Like somehow, I, I don't know, like tr- no, nothing, I can never be scared again being on stage because the worst has already happened or like I'm trying exactly. to, I don't know, the trauma, but it, it have you ever felt that way ever again on stage? Have you ever felt that same like cold sweat, that stomach drop ever again? No, I love performing. Like I feel more myself on stage or in front of a microphone oh, than yeah. I do in real life. Absolutely. And I, I love it and I need it. And I, I love stage time so much. I love stage time so much that I've been doing comedy for the lines at like Safeway and at um, grocery stores. Like I'll I'll go to Rainbow Foods or I'll go to Gus's on my way home and I'll stand outside front of the line and I'll do jokes to people in line. Like I, I maybe it's even a problem how much I need to perform. <laughs> That's the fucking grind though. That's what like gets... Well, that's what elevates anybody in any skill to being good to great is that obsession. I don't think it, I don't, I, you know, honestly, I think it can be talent, but I think most of all, like, an obsession. Yeah. Obset, like, truly, whenever you see these athletes, like, in the NFL and shit, you know why? Because they are obsessed. They don't do anything else. They just fucking practice all the fucking time. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what you gotta do. That's what you gotta do. No way around it. it. And it's right now. It's there's no there's no calm. There's nowhere to do it. It's weird. And these Zoom shows. Have you been doing Zoom shows? I hate them. I hate Zoom shows. Yeah. No. I don't like. I I like. I don't mind. Um. I mean, we did that one Zoom call. That was weird because I. That was you know that wasn't weird because it was on Zoom. That was weird because once again I'm not funny in conversation. And that, like, John Oliver-type English host that we had was, like, dissing on me just nonstop. And I was like, do I say anything? Am I supposed to? How do, I, do I have anything witty to say here? No, I just, I got like, anything. It's everyone's trying to figure out these Zoom things. And, and it's weird because people are, the cliques that existed before in comedy sort of all mm-hmm. dissipated. And they've sort of reformed around these Zoom group room things. And so there's like 20 comics all telling each other jokes. And that's great. And I'm glad that people are getting something out of it or they're doing their material. But I just, I don't, I just don't get a lot out of it. I, I mean, I like, I like that we've been reading these scripts. I like hanging out with people. I really had a good time at a, my friends did a Zoom happy hour and we drank, we all drank in our, prospective homes i had a great time i was also on acid but <laughs> i was you, I, you drink on acid yeah I, I well lately i've been doing everything on acid <laughs> i mean i just have a lot of be acid. careful i fucked up the only drug that i truly regret doing too much in my life is ow fuck ow are you okay I stepped on a go-head oh i just stepped on I, it's okay i'm just out anyways the only drug that i think ever like really permanently kind of damaged my brain was acid. It's the, it's the only thing that I can really tell that, like, before I was less anxious and oh. a little bit better at articulating myself. And now, although I feel like the benefits that I've gained spiritually and creatively are good, I would still rather have not lost my ability 
to communicate with strangers without getting scared. Well, and I that happens to me on acid that I will if I take too much of it, I lose language. It's like the first thing yeah. I lose where I just can't yeah. I can't create sentences. I can't string exactly. words together in any meaningful fashion. And so I I try not to take that much. But that's that's happened to me before I was at Burning Man in 2002 and somebody gave me I didn't realize how much acid I took I guess and mm. it was I mean I didn't I didn't speak for like four hours and people were like are you okay and I was trying to like have hand signals or something like yeah I and then you feel more awkward I couldn't communicate at all but I didn't care like my my vision was I mean it was it was I was like inside a disco ball it was crazy it was dope. yeah but yeah. I, and I but I try when I say I've been, I've been I have been doing a lot of acid lately, but not like a lot amount wise, just time wise. I've I've careful. I know rehab is full of like mostly the kids that are in rehab are permafried. Huh. Like most like the the main kids that I met in Utah and Idaho were Mormon kids that smoked weed twice and got caught, and <laughs> kids that are like straight up like from Berkeley that. Did way too many shrooms or acid, and like got kind of put into a psychosis. Right, like and the psychosis. Psychosis yeah. is what doesn't leave you. That's what stays for us. Fucking wild. I'm not too worried about my acid consumption, and that I am 45 years old, and I've been taking it since I was like. I think I took it first when I was 18. How are you not? How are you communicating? Jesus. I, I don't I don't know. I I just I really enjoy hallucinogens. I always have. I used to do I used to do this um I used to do it and not tell anybody and see how how well I could hold my shit together. Oh god, that was like a nightmare. <laughs> it's fun because it's like it, it's like I'm it's like I have a secret that nobody knows, which is that I'm tripping balls. That makes me so anxious. What are you talking about? That sounds awful. I, it's it's um it's like um an exercise like a brain exercise for me that but that's the problem too i but when i'm on hallucinogens i love telling people so it's really hard for me not to be like i'm doing i'm seeing things right now ha 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 it's cool or whatever like i want to you know, share the idea that i'm tripped out with someone else on the last day of that festival though uh i did shrooms and i fucking i kind of regretted it Honestly, because I wanted to participate and I couldn't anymore, you know? Yeah. That sucked. That really sucked. Because I, I fucking, I, especially that last show about being one of your favorite comics, literally the last time I was here when I started bombing, I, I went into an impression of Rodney Dangerfield and did the rest of my set that way. <laughs> and I was the only thing that got last. So it would have been the perfect full circle moment and it would have been, I would have been good at it and it would have been fun. Everyone was such a good night that night. But instead, I got fucking confused, and and then later in the night, I got my guitar stolen. Oh, I know that. And sucks. I was sad. And then actually, I wasn't too sad about the guitar because I just like, yeah, give it back to the universe. I guess doesn't matter. I'm not a musician. That, 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 that's the meaning I put onto it. Was that it's like this proves that I'm not a musician. <laughs> Whatever. Whatever. I'll just take it like that. And, uh, but also, like, at the last, when we were all just hanging out there, yeah. I remember you were kind of upset, too, because you're so exhausted from everything. Yeah. I couldn't comfort you because I didn't know how to fucking communicate. And then, like, when we were all just sitting there doing nothing, Warhol came. And then I was like, I've never talked to this person. I'm way too fucking high. This is not the time to start. And I <laughs> stared at him. And I was, 
oh, it was not, then I had to leave, and then when I left, I met this girl at the train station, and she was like, trying to fuck me, and I fucking should have. Oh. Like, comic, that's hot. And I was like, yeah, too bad I gotta go, though, and I fucking laughed. Oh. And then, and now she's blowing up my Twitter and my Instagram with, like, dope-ass shit. She's pretty cool, and I'm like, I'm a fucking idiot, dude. Yeah. Yeah, well. Shawty tuned into, like, three Zoom comedy shows for me. Have you ever heard of someone doing that for you? Doing, doing what? What, what was that? Shawty tuned into three different Zoom comedy shows. Wow. Wow. That, that's what, and and, I, and instead, in the day I met her, I was just like, I thought that she was trying to scam me because she was too nice. Right. And she just thought like, you were cute. Oh. Yeah. Oh well, she's listening. Maybe she's listening. Maybe. Hey, hey, hey Shawty. Hey, what hey, was Shawty. your you, what was your line? You were saying that you're you were being so funny about being a feminist or something about women or something. <laughs> that feminist king dog, respect the shit out of women. Are you kidding me? <laughs> you were using this. Kidding me, dog? Feminist king. <laughs> some special word or something, and I was like, what? You you got to teach me the new. Any new TikTok dances? Oh wait, vibe. I think vibe was. A vibe. Word. Yeah. yeah I've. I've learned about the feels and um, vibing, vibing with people. Shut <laughs> up and vibe, 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 vibe. Yeah. I'm so old, I just don't even, I can't even. I, yeah, I, I, I don't know how to use Instagram anymore. My my, my tablet got stolen and I, I have this new really? oh, yeah, tablet. Bag, huh? and, uh, yeah, oh my God. That was a nightmare. You know, it wasn't that bad. It was nice to have a scavenger hunt to reclaim my life. It gave me something to do for a week, like did you canceling. Did no, I I just I had to cancel all my cards and get new cards and new accounts and all this crazy stuff. Um, and and it sucked because they didn't even get anything. Like they got the things they probably threw. They threw away all the good stuff. My rocks from Greece and my two favorite magic decks, and. You know, like it, there was thirty six bucks, a pack of cigarettes, and some and a lot of pot food. That's what they got, and my bag was was worth oh, that, a that, lot of money. That's, yeah, that's, that's not bad. But that's all they got, and and but they threw. I'm sure they threw away the magic cards. I, my my co- comedy yeah, notebook, which bad. was like full. I just finished. I mean, I that's had like totally one tragic. super tragic, right? Like so, all of my basically all my stuff for for the last couple months is gone but you remember the good stuff you remember yeah the of course stuff, no, no, right? of course i do but i mean there were that was the notebook that i took to greece last year so there were all of these what? notes and yeah and all of the they stole my tablet which is a shitty old samsung and it had all my pictures from greece and from italy and from the comedy festival so i lost stuff that they don't care about like yeah it was just and like it's just all sentimental stuff that meant stuff to me, like the rocks from Greece. And one of my boys said he was like, "You put you have rocks in your bag? Like what is wrong with you?" And <laughs> I'm romantic. I have rocks in my bag. Of course, really I have rocks, rocks in my bag. <laughs> like from 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 Greece. From, from Greece, yeah, you know, Grecian rocks, of course. Uh, well, are, I guess that makes it okay, but I mean, next time someone asks you what you got rocks in your bag, you literally, yeah. Yeah, I actually have bag. rocks in my bag. Yeah, it's good stuff. Um, any last, do you want to talk about God at all? This is usually we talk about God on this show. Right. We, um, I've been reading a lot about Sufism lately. Oh, cool. That's pretty cool. I love, you know, you know what Sufism is? It's the 
it's the Persian thing, right? Like Sufi. But, yeah, it's the it's the mystical sect of Islam. Oh, it's dope. Um, like I mean, there's the original Sufism, which is yeah, just Islam. But there's the new Western Sufism, which is just like kind of focuses on the fact that every religion is worshiping the same God, which is a pretty it, it's a very like non-denominational religion in that like anybody from any other religion can be in this religion or like any group. It doesn't really matter because we're all doing the same thing in a different right. way. Yeah, I, I, I've always thought of it like um, that spirituality is a cone and like it all goes up to the same place, but there's like ladders on all sides. And right. as long as you're on a ladder, like cool. <laughs> or some people are like, no ladders. I don't want to believe in any of this. But I've been reading, I've been, do, I've been reading like a lot of uh, Buddhist, Buddhist texts and uh, fucking dealing with uh, trying to not have attachments. But it, it really works. Like every time I sort of chant and I think about not having attachments, the attachments that I do have, like things happen with them. Like it's so stupid. Like I'm trying to. It's and huh. it, and then they'll text me like the person I'm trying not to think about and I'm chanting to not think about them, <laughs> and then they text me and I'm like, "Fucking shit, man!" Like, <laughs> yeah, you willed it into being. I'm trying not to. I'm trying to not have attachments. I'm trying not to have needs or like expectations on anything. And every time I do that, what I want to have happen happens anyways, which is weird because I'm like in. <laughs> And trying not to manifest it, I end up manifesting it, which is, I'm like, ugh, fucking. That's crazy. Yeah. That, you know, that, that, that used to give me so much anxiety. I used to have really, really bad OCD um, when I was a hockey player because it was like, I was just super anxious. As a goalie, it's like, you, you have control over it, but like, you kind of don't. If they, if they shoot the puck at you and it goes in, then it just goes in, you know? And yeah. like, kind of try to seek control over this uncontrollable thing, maybe really anxious. And, and part of that, was trying to like, if I had bad thoughts, I'd like punch myself in the head six times because I would accidentally will it into power unless I punched myself in the head. Wow. Yeah, because I was like, if I think about failing, or actually, it was also really weird. I was like, this, this, this was at its worst from when I was like nine to 14 years old, 14, 15 years old. And so, of course, it was tied in that it was a bunch of weird sex shit, too. Like, if I ever thought about sex, in the presence of anything hockey-related, I had to pray to the hockey item <laughs> for forgiveness and then punch myself in the head six times. Wow. Isn't that bizarre? And, like, cause goalies are superstitious, and so it was kind of, like, normal, but I let it get way out of hand because I'm just an obsessive person, which is a thing I like about myself, actually. It can also be a bad thing. What, where, did the, where, where did the punching yourself in the head come from? Because... Well, first of all, as a drug addict, I've always had a tumultuous relationship with my own brain. Uh. Um, I have never liked my brain. It's been my greatest form of insecurity and self-consciousness because you can't control your brain, yet it controls you entirely. Huh. And it is you. And, yeah, and, and so punching myself in the head was like, I have this bad thought, and it's almost like I want to remove myself from this bad thought, like, I'm not the one that did it, it's my brain, and I punch myself in the brain to punish myself for it and show that I'm repentant of it, and so it doesn't matter anymore. Wow. Repentant? Didn't help me in the end, though, I'm not in the NHL. Did you, you wanted to be in the NHL? That, that was, was like... a dream. Wow. From when I was three years old, like, that's what I dedicated my, Pam, I dedicated my entire life to hockey. This, I've always been this way, where I pick something that I want to do, and 
I don't do anything else. Like, I have to, like, if, 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 if you want to make this your life, it has to be your life. Huh. And so when I was a hockey player, I literally, I'd, I'd spend eight hours at the rink. Wow. Every day on the weekends. Every day I'd be practicing, like, two to four hours, like, off ice, on ice, squatting. And I was really good. I was top eight in North America for my age group, U16. Wow. For a while, yeah. It was, I was really good for a while. I moved to Canada. I played AAA, and I, it was the only thing that I really valued. Um, and it, 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 I mean, that also helped me shed a lot of the OCD with when shit didn't work out when I got deported and, and my dad showed up on the front lawn. And Why I did you get deported, deported from Canada? Drugs. Well, drugs. Huh. <laughs> drugs well, but... the fact, well, I was a 15 year old boy living alone in Canada with strangers that like, we're all just love to party. Like 26-year-old men. I was living with 26-year-old men that just wanted to fucking party all the time. And yeah. I wanted to party too. We just fucking, that's all we did all day. We just got shit-faced, smoked a bunch of weed, swallowed perk, did a bunch of coke, and fucking did it all again. It did it every single day. Wow. wow. It was amazing. It was one of the best times of my life and also one of the worst times of my life because no one liked me because I was really annoying. Oh, well, and you, you were 15. Exactly. I wouldn't have liked me either. I was annoying as fuck. But I kept getting traded because they didn't like me. You know how hurtful that is for a fucking teenage boy? Yeah. They literally, they moved me. They built me a room in the basement of one of these places out of, out of like, just drywall. They just, they just took some drywall and put it up in, like, a square, and that was my room. And then we traded for a different kid, and everyone liked him way more than me, so they moved me out of the house. Wow. Out of the room they built for me into some hyper-Christian household where I ended up... Well, which ended up being the real problem because they really, really did not like my drug use. Sure. And uh, one thing, Halloween night, I was messing with the neighbor, the neighbor's daughter. <laughs> I was doing way too much. You know, I was drinking too much, smoking too much, taking too much, just doing too much. Came back and just vomited all over everything. Yeah. The Christians didn't like that. They, no, they did not like that. And then, well, on top of that, there's also the legal aspect of it is that I was not allowed to get paid. My oh. visa did not allow me to receive a stipend. Oh, wow. Well, you know, I kind of understand your rampant drug use if you were, if there was that much pressure and stress on, like, being good, like being the best hockey player. That's yeah, a lot of stress. Myself. Not from anybody else, from myself. Right. You know, like, I mean, I, I just being from the Bay Area in general, though, like, it's a very hyper competitive place about achievement. You right. know? Yeah. Like, we care about achievement. And my mom, my mom won a fucking Nobel Prize, like, last year. What? You know? Yeah. My mom, out of college, she worked on some immunology thing, discovering, like, I don't know, like, kind of, like, I, I don't know, T cells or something. I don't even know what it is. But she got a no. Thing, your mother got a Nobel Prize. Yeah. Well, she got. She well. Okay, that's the thing. They, they only give Nobel Prize to the like the the, the people like like one or two dudes that originally thought of the idea like 80 years ago, and then only now they're able to test it. And they're like, and so they give it to these old guys from way back then. So technically, her boss got the Nobel Prize, but she was shortlisted on the Nobel Prize because she was a part of that team that made the discovery. Wow. That's a lot so. of pressure. If your parents are successful, you know, ostensibly successful, what would people would say? I mean, that's that's success. Getting a Nobel Prize yeah. or being on a short that that's 
That's a success. Yeah, she's always she's always getting awards and shit. And me, I've never gotten anything above a C in science. I took geometry five times. <laughs> I took geometry five times, Pam. Five <laughs> times. And one of those times, I paid another person. I paid a man in Kenya to do it for me, and he failed. Oh my dear lord! Wow. But you're hilarious and wonderful. I, I guess it's just, it's hard if you're, like, luckily my parents aren't, like, real successful. So they're not, so it doesn't, so it doesn't, my success or not success has, has nothing to do with, with anything. Well, what is success? I'm happy. Like, I'm a, I'm a legitimately happy person. And I think that that's success. That's, that's, that is success. So. Also, you're doing all this dope ass cool-ass art expression shit and creating a legacy for yourself and for the scene, I mean, I'd say you're doing... I'd say you're uh, you're, you're classically successful. Oh, thank you. That I feels so nice. So. To, that's so nice. Classically and spiritually successful. Oh. That's the most you can ever ask for, huh? Yeah, that's what I... I mean, it's a... And it's a beautiful day, and... The, I mean, I don't know. I'm 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 happy. <laughs> such a jerk I, feel, I I fucked up though this morning I was supposed to read poetry in at a zoom in Scotland my my Scott my buddy's getting her MFA in poetry in Scotland and she was like oh I want you to read and it's at 10 a.m. and blah 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 my time and I set an alarm but I guess I blew I mean I was I got home last night at four I haven't partied like that in a long time I had a really poetry party yeah but so next week I'm gonna read next week on her show on through the zoom. Sounds amazing. How different is that from stand up? Poetry? Um I think that poetry and comedy are the same thing in yeah, that Yeah, I was yeah. just saying that. Yeah, they're they're both crafted language to elicit an emotional response and um comedy obviously is laughter. Cuz if you an hear the response. Right. If you hear the poem about my third abortion, not as good as the joke. Not as good as the mm. joke. But <laughs> uh more emo. More emo, but I love like I'm a, I'm a really, really, really romantic person, and I, I, I believe in things that aren't real, like, all the time, and I love it. I love, I love love. I love feeling that way. I love reading. I love making people feel the way I'm feeling. Sometimes my language is a little too precious, but I'm. Sure, Yeah, but I'm really, I'm really happy with some of these new poems. Like, I just. I don't know. I feel a sense of because I don't have comedy, I sort of went back to poetry. Also, because I'm having these feelings, so many feelings, deep, meaningful feelings. And so I'm, I'm. So right now, I just I love poetry, and a lot of people don't. So and the people I hang out with are comics, and they don't give a fuck about poetry. <laughs> They're like it's so weird too. I, I I've observed that as well. When even though jokes are little poems. Yeah. They are. You guys like poetry. You know, they just haven't read a good enough poem yet. Do you, you, you like Edna St. Vincent Millay? Yeah, absolutely. She was the first poet that I ever read, and it hit me like laughter. Where I was like, damn, she really up on that afternoon on a hill. Damn. She really do be on that second fig. Damn. <laughs> you know? Like, shit, like... It, it, that's when you realize that they really are the same because, I mean, you don't examine a joke in the same way for these themes and nuances. Yeah. But 
Yeah, but you can. Poem either. It should hit you. You can, but you shouldn't. Honestly, <laughs> I, I think that it should be enjoyed, like like anything, like a movie. Yeah. yeah. If you fucking like it. You, it makes you feel good. You enjoy it. You maybe think about it a little bit, but you fucking like it above all. Right. Uh, Edmund Say fits in the late with it. That that, that 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 really summarizes what I'm trying to say is that she that was the first poetry that hit me like a joke. Sure. You understand this emotion and it hits you fast and instantly. And it's God. It's God. I feel God. that way about when I started reading Bukowski. When I st- I, I felt that way about his poetry. I was like, I was like, oh, I get it. He has one that's called yeah. Some Picnic, and it's hilarious. And it's about it Some Picnic, mm-hmm. and it's about his. He goes on a picnic with his parents, and they're nice to his girlfriend for the very first time, but it's because they think she's pregnant because she has such a beer belly. <laughs> and so, like, the last line is about they toast and... To, and it's it's just this great poem about... And it's funny, and it's real, and and also, like, I just I just love Bukowski. Like, he's so yeah. ugly, but he still is. so sexy. Like, he is. I, have you read um, Burning in Water, Drowning in Flames? No, I don't think I've read. Is that, that one of his that, books? That was the first Bukowski book I read because that title was so fucking emo. Yeah. I was like, holy shit, that's the most emo thing I've ever heard. Like, I have to read this shit. And I'm so glad I did because, yeah, just like, I, I wish my, my Bukowski when I was in high school was Elliot Smith. That same, like, uh-huh. just despair. And, and when I found Bukowski, I was like, this is hard to read and I love it this ugly prostitute I will have some sweet yeah <laughs> this ugly prostitute he, he uh myself. he loved cats too I have a I have a book of a collected poems of his that are all about cats oh my god you know who else really loved cats in a way that people don't expect Andy Warhol really he had a whole print collection of paintings of his cats <gasps> I need to look those up because I fucking love cats. They're amazing. They're really cute. They're they're quintessential of his earliest illustrating style, um, which was really famous for being like kind of like like almost like Tim Burtony in that it's really like jagged and DIY looking. And uh, yeah, that's what made him really famous at first. Wow, cats, cats, cats. I love cats. Lucy Moore Hall. Yeah, I do too. I mean, there, there's um. So well, we can't go anymore because the everything's closed but the the museum of modern art here in san francisco the third i cried there at that warhol exhibit yeah it's fucking good it's amazing oh you know what's my favorite piece there though um do you know who jeff wall is no i have the most emotional experience i've ever had in a museum ever and i don't know why but there's this there's this photo jeff wall is a photographer he does these photos where um they're like in a light box you know what i mean so it's like a it's like a like a, it's like it's a box, it's a light box, and yeah. one of the wall, the the widest wall is a photo, so it's lit from behind. It just looks cool. Um, he stages these photos, and this photo was from like 2007, and it was outside of a nightclub, and it's on the top floor of the MoMA. And I remember seeing it and fucking crying. Wow. I don't know why. Well, I do know why, but the reason that I kind of found was that it had this such a weird brand of nostalgia. Because this was in 2016, right before I got expelled. 
<laughs> and this photo was from 2007 at a nightclub, and it feels so 2007. And it just put me into like a fucking psychosis to know that these people are real people that really looked like this in 2007 that are still alive today, but were captured in this moment being like incredibly profound and meaningful living their lives, and they're still alive today as completely different human beings. Yeah, 2007 I, was a great year. It's just, 2007 was a great year. Yeah. I, I, I've been told. I, yeah, you were alive. Come on. <laughs> I was alive, but I wasn't like conscious. I was just on like robot autopilot mode until I was 14 and did acid one time. Wow. <laughs> I, it's it's all have, about acid today. That's funny. I should. Do you remember the first time you smoked weed? Yes, actually, I do. Yeah. Uh, like? I was. My buddy, the good Dr. Katie and I, we, we went down to San Diego together to check out UC San Diego. Her sister went there, and we'd both gotten in, and we were trying to decide where we wanted to go to college. And we went down to UC San Diego, and her sister, we stayed with her sister, and we went to a party this one night, and I smoked out of a, out of a gravity bong. And, um, and I, had, I remember having a really good time. And then this was the crazy thing. So we were driving back to Danville from um, from San, San Diego. I can't see. I can't even remember. And we were driving together, and these guys are smoking weed in their car. And Katie and I were like, "Hey, we want some weed. Pull over." And so we pulled off at this rest stop with really? these guys, and they smoked us out. And so like, I've never that's smoked pot before. And all of a sudden, I'm this huge stoner that's like, "Hey, pull over and let us smoke your weed." That's dope. My second time smoking. That was the, yeah, so it's the second time. And I remember the first time, I don't know if I got, I, I got high. But the second time, I got super high because we were hanging out with these guys at a rest stop. I got high, and then I had to drive over Ooh. over the Altamont Pass, you know, through Tracy and then over. And I remember, too, that we did it on this weekend, and we had to go to school the next day. And I had, I had, to, I had to write a paper. And I got home and I was writing the paper or whatever and I turned it in the next day and my teacher pulled me aside and was like, this is a piece of dog shit. You need to redo it. And I was like, what? I didn't, she, she was like, I don't know what drugs you were on. And she knew, she was joking with me because I was a very Christian girl and of course I would never do drugs. And she's like, I don't know what happened over the weekend, but this, I know, I guess you went to visit a college or something. She's like this, and she shook it in my head. She's, this, this will, this is not, this is not, this will not get you. And this is not for college. This is no good. And I was like, okay, whatever. Okay. So I redid it. Yeah. I was like, really? This is not a good paper. I just, anyways, I, I now insane. I love to be stoned. That's a great story. <laughs> what time was this? The sixties? No, no, <laughs> it was like 1991, 92 maybe. 1992. Oh, there's good weed back then. There's good weed. I sure. Don't know, some old folks, especially like these old hippie folks in New Mexico, generally is like, oh, I used to smoke all this weed. Like, shut up, old man. You used to smoke fucking oregano. Right. You used to smoke boof. Shut up. You don't know shit. Take one dab. Oh, oh I love I dabs. A, oh, God, I, I love oh, dabs. Oh, my God. I, there's no dabs anywhere but California. I swear to God. <laughs> when I was in Chicago, the only time I'd ever seen anybody like with any dab equipment, I was doing a lab walk. And I got led into this guy's house, and this motherfucker had like three grams of wax just on the <sighs> table with a butane torch. Yeah. And so I was like, I could defend myself if I said that study. I thought this was for me, you know, like I could, 
I could do that. Well, holy fucking shit, dude. That that dog has never been walked like that ever. <laughs> I promise you. That dog has got... I walked the shit out of that dog. Well, dabs... Like, dabs are like sort of the heroin of weed in that there's a rig yeah. and there's a setup and there's... It, you it's know, you gotta sexy. heat the thing. It's it's there's a there's a you ritual have to it. For it. Well, there's I have, you gotta get that. You gotta heat up that pipe with a fucking butane torch. Exactly. Put it on the nail or whatever. There's there's a there's a ritual to it. I have a I have a buddy who used to do heroin, and he said that the hardest thing was that was giving up the needle because he the enjoyed needle. it so much. The needle. Setting it's, it up. Fucking finally. Doing all you know of what? the. It, that's what he was addicted to. He was like, you know, the drugs, it's I can kind of take them or leave them. But he was like, I like shooting up. It's a ritual. It's yeah. sexual. It's so erotic. And it's so satisfying. So I, when I was getting clean initially, yeah, I would shoot up, like, my Prozac and shit. Wow. And it was like, I just need to, like, I, I still, when I do coke, like, I'd rather shoot out, shoot it out. Because, wow. Like, it just, first of all, you feel it in your heart before you feel it anywhere else. Oof. And that's amazing i love that but i just love I, yeah it's really it's the ritual of the needle i'm so good at it and when i was in treatment whenever they take my vials i go let me do it i'll do it to myself oh wow way better oh always whenever anyone everyone has like I will, I will do this needle because they they can't do it because also because i sucked up a lot of my veins and so they don't it's even harder but i know where they are well do I you i mean if you get like a catheter or something you put it you ask to put it in yourself like in your catheter goes in your pee pee. No, 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 no. That's another name for it. Catheter is also they put it in your vein or whatever. Like so, oh. whenever I've been in the hospital, they usually put it in my hand. Hmm. The catheter instead of in my like uh, the really? draw. On they the, draw on blood. The back, of your hand? the back of my hand. Yeah, they draw blood from my from the gulch in my you know b- behind my elbow. But then whenever hmm. whenever they put anything else in, they always go through my hand. I don't oh, know why. Yeah, I, I've never had, yeah, I've never had stuff. Have I ever had? No, I've, I definitely never had anything put in the back of my hand. In fact, I've only ever tried to shoot up into my hand one time, and it didn't work. It was really like, I don't know. That's, that's kind of weird. I've never heard of that. I've only, I've only had like stuff drawn from my forearms and stuff, and I can always do it better. Always. You could, well, so, you know what? I don't, I don't think you probably. Maybe you should become a phlebotomist. I'd get to. <laughs> you get too triggered. I get too triggered. But wouldn't yeah, it be, no. wouldn't it be like empowering to own it? Like, if that was, you know, you're... it's not prostitution. It's fucking licking at needles all day. That's okay. I, I couldn't. I couldn't. I don't know. I, if for me, it would just. It would be. It'd be too triggering. I, I, I can I get triggered so easily now. Honestly, Pam, it is the hardest part about about this at all. Is is hearing like a couple days ago. Uh, a guy died. He was in the band called The Stranglers. Oh. You know The Stranglers? Uh-huh. They had a famous song called Golden Brown. Oh, uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. That shit put me into psychosis, swear to God. For like a day, I I, I really like fucked with my head super hardcore. And I had to get shit-faced in order to like not walk around. You shouldn't be saying this on tape, huh? But it's, <laughs> I mean, it's, are, are, the, are the rehab police after you? No, no, they can't force me to do anything now. Um, I, I don't want to do anything. You, you know what? I, I, have to, I have to communicate this. You know what's fucking retard? Stupid. You know what's fucking stupid? I, I, I'm going through this breakup, right? There's so many issues that we have. Yeah. But the only issue that matters now 
is my addiction. Huh. That's it. That's what's that's what the problem is for everybody. That's everyone. That's that's what pisses me off. And this reminds me of why I was using so heavily back in high school and shit. Because everyone's telling you to like you're this irredeemable piece of shit when it's complicated. Right. You know, like our relationship. We didn't break up because you didn't. Even, we were gonna. Break, she found out that I relapsed after we broke up, and then now that's all that this is about. Oh. It's, it's, it, it, and, and that's a perfect example because when when that's what you are. As an identity thing, that is what encompasses your – it swallows your whole identity when people know that, you know, you're an addict or a junkie. I, I or agree. I, it's the same thing about with me and my relationship with alcohol. People, mm. like – Get scared when they see you drinking. Right, exactly. And they're like, oh, but – and I used – and drinking used to be my identity, like, my for nerve. a long time. Yeah. And, and now – I mean, I, I drank last night, but – I mean, but you, you are, you were clean for a couple months. I, 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 yeah, I was, I just five weeks. I was sober for five weeks, which was Mm. the longest I've ever gone without alcohol in my entire life since I started drinking. Yeah. I've never gone that long. That's scary, Pam. Really? I guess. Yeah. I think that's scary. Yeah. I mean, ever since college, like I have drank a lot. Um, and it just, but that's, that was part of my identity that I was the cool mm. girl who hung out with the dudes and could shotgun beers. Like, Fuck yeah. I know so many women like that. And, it, and I, I love that identity. And, and then even in my thirties, it was like, I am the girl who drinks whiskey. Like from when I was yeah. 28 until I was 34, I was like, whiskey is my identity. And I, and I just, I don't know. It's, it's funny how, when you people start seeing I didn't realize that people saw me as this drunk like that was right I saw it as a positive thing like I love drinking this is but then externally other people were like this is a problem you're a loser you're a drunk and I was like but then I always got angry because I was a poet and men would write poems about drinking and everybody would applaud them and oh how great and I'm like wait yeah like but to be a woman somehow being a drunk is you can't fulfill your domestic duties maybe you can't it's not cute it's not cute it's not it's not it's definitely not cute but now I now I realize like I had a really fun time last night and I didn't get super sloppy drunk we were just playing drums and hanging out it was just two of us it was great I had a great great time um, and I didn't do anything unsafe and I didn't embarrass myself in any way. And I got home. He walked me home safely at four in the morning. So it wasn't, I don't know. I feel like I'm consuming more mindfully now than I That's was good. in the past. It's always a balance. It always, it's always a balance, you know? Yeah. Okay, well, I'm going to see if I can get Scott to buy me alcohol. I'm going to see if I can get <laughs> Well, I'll let, I'll, are you going to? Do you think He's uh, procuring some. Never mind, I lost it. Oh. I, gotta, I gotta get someone out here to buy me alcohol. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, you're the best. I'll let you go. And um, thank you uh, so much for calling in, Aaron Atkins. I miss you. I can't wait till you come back. I can't wait till San Francisco is open again and we can all travel. And I, I really want to, you know, do more comedy with you in the future. Yay! Yeah, I can't wait to come back. Muni uh, Radio is one of the greatest places on earth. Oh. One of the true bastions of free speech and creative expression. Left in the world. Really, I mean, it, it is like a fucking... I feel like 
you know, I, I think Muni Radio one day it's gonna it's gonna go out of business, and there's gonna be a coffee table book about it. This place, this place won't disappear until I'm dead. Basically, <laughs> like I'm not. <laughs> I'm keeping it. I'm keeping it alive. It's one of the reasons that I, I. I love living is this place. But thank you yeah. so much for talking with me about all kinds of wonderful things thank and you enjoy for your me Sufism. On. You're and, one of the easiest people to talk to. You're such a you're a very talented radio host. Oh, thanks. Bring it out anybody. You're great. Uh, don't take too much acid, everybody. And uh, thanks, Aaron. I'll talk to you soon. Yay. Yay. All right. Some call me Tim. That was successful. I was successful as fuck. <laughs> I love Aaron Atkins. Thank you guys for tuning in today to Some Call Me Tim, if you did. Coming up at 4 o'clock, we're going to have a script reading with Warhol Kaufman. We're going to do it zoomy, zoom, zoom. And I'm going to set all that up right now. Again, yay, Aaron Atkins. Check him out on social media. He's real good at that. Follow him. To, I, I bet he has some very pretty pictures of New Mexico right now. All right. I need to drink some water because I'm starting to get a hangover. <laughs> Woo! I drank a lot of Tecate to celebrate Mexico, and uh, that was fun. All right, everybody. Thanks for being here on Some Call Me Tim. Thanks again to Aaron Atkins. I've been Pam Benjamin. This is Mutiny Radio. take you on what a snake in the grass you are you lying piece of shit too cowardly to confront me in real life so you do it on facebook she wrote you are the biggest faggot ass in the Whoa. world the biggest pussy my dick is bigger than yours which ain't saying much what a true piece of shit you are lying faggot i hope you meet your karma slowly and painfully wow not, not like her that's though Cindy, <laughs> that's Cindy, that's cindy brady right there that's a little aggressive for cindy brady this is how I swear at people when I'm really, really angry. Like, you hear me when I'm on the show and I go crazy, but I don't think I would write it down. So she wrote it down and thought about she that wrote shit. It down. I wouldn't text. I mean, maybe. This is, I, I just want to I wanna, I, I wanna send this text out to everybody. I'm just going to read it one more just, time. Yeah, just so fucking paste and, paste and copy that it's motherfucker. So, it's just paste and copy. Hey there, little pussy. Let me get my big boy pants on and really take you on. What a snake in the grass you are. Are you lying piece of shit? Too cowardly to confront me in real life. So you do it on Facebook. You are the biggest faggot ass in the world. The biggest pussy. My dick is bigger than yours. Which ain't saying much. What a true piece of shit you are. Lying faggot. I hope you meet your karma slowly and painfully. So good. That's the business. Son. So good. I, I I'm sorry, but the, the only problem is if it she had if she had done that at work maybe, but she took that shit to the house. Like the, he got followed and shit. That's no, what really the, did her in, because that's a solid now, message. Okay, here's the thing. There's, because uh, I, I think it's kind of funny. It's super. But funny. I also, I, uh, part of me feels like you know she. I know that. What? Well, that was a threat. At the end of that, the, she kind of got threatening. 
Uh, will you switch three and four for me? Because yes, I'm going to do something funny here. Okay. Yeah, I mean. Thank you. But Trump support, I, I think Trump supporters are funny to me, really. I don't think we should take them off the air all the time. Okay. Hold on, I'm going to, this is a, this is a rap, rap background. We're going to rap to it. <laughs> we'll get a little beat beat. Hey there, little pussy. Let me get my big boy pants on and really take you on. What a snake in the grass. You are, you lying piece of shit. What? Too cowardly to confront me in real life. You do it on Facebook. You're the biggest faggot ass in the world. Biggest uh, pussy, uh, pussy, uh, pussy. What? My dick is bigger than yours, which, which ain't saying much. What a true piece of shit you are, lying faggot. I hope you meet your karma slowly and painfully. Say uh, slowly and painfully. I'm Susan Olsen. Oh, uh, slowly. I said Susan Olsen. And painfully. They call me Cindy and Brady. My name is Susan Olsen and I love Trump today. Uh, 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 Olsen. Uh, uh, Brady, get it. Brady. Uh, I hope. Uh. I I sincerely hope you reap all this that you deserve. Karma wise, you pathetic little cunt. You are. Nerd. Hell is waiting for you. Enjoy. Uh, Hell is waiting for you. Enjoy. What? <laughs> waiting for you. Enjoy. What? Slowly. What? Slowly. Slowly. And painfully. My name is Susan Olsen. Susan Olsen. Susan Olsen. Susan Olsen. They call me Cindy. Susan Olsen. Susan Olsen. Susan Olsen, they call me Cindy Brady. I make America great again. Making America great. What a pathetic little cunt you are. Hell is waiting for you. Enjoy. Enjoy. His name is Martin. Enjoy. Call me Martin. Enjoy. I'm living in that Martin. Enjoy. Susan Olsen, the biggest cunt, drops a port of four. Right? Did we just make a song? <laughs> did we just? That was pretty dope. Did we just make a song? I think that, we did. That was for you, Susan Olson. <laughs> that was that was fun. I'm glad we I, did I the hope, freestyle. I hope you get. I hope you listen to this. Oh my god. <laughs> Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of MutinyRadio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit face McRat.
Saturday night on the field. You look at that man. Hungry for a burger? Mutiny Radio thinks you'll find the best burger in San Francisco at Counter Offer, located inside Bender's Bar and Grill. Counter Offer's menu aims to please your drunk face. Tater tots are served daily. On Tuesday nights, Counter Offer serves specials off the Taco Bell menu, only better. You can enjoy your favorite Taco Bell item without the guilt. Counter Offer uses only fresh ingredients and never store-bought shit. Special ingredients are made from scratch daily, including beans, ketchup, mustard, habanero sauce, and ranch dressing. Counter Offer even serves vegan mac and cheese. All of this great food is served 2 p.m. to 10 p.m. daily and until 11 p.m. on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Counter Offer is located inside Bender's Bar and Grill at 806 South Van S. Be sure to tell them Mutiny sent you. Counter Offer, baby. Got the mutiny, mutiny radio. Got the mutiny, mutiny radio. Got the mutiny, mutiny radio, my friend. Got mutiny, mutiny radio. Got mutiny, mutiny radio. Got mutiny radio, my friend. You ever want to be funny? Well, my dogs think I'm funny, Daryl. Well, I mean, you ever want to be, like, in front of an audience? Like, other than, like, squirrels, dogs, and dead peasants? Well, shoot. From time to time, I've been giving it a thought or two. You know, if you go to joke workshop, there's more than two peoples paying attention to your jokes, and they ain't even gonna be jerks about it. Daryl, are you serious? I can get people to listen to my jokes. And they'll even say nice things to you before they tell you how to get improvements. No way. What is this dang nabbit thing called? It's Joke Workshop. Joke Workshop? Yep, every Monday, 6 to 8 p.m. on the Mutant Radius. So you're saying I could tell my jokes every Monday from 6 to 8? That's what I'm saying. It's the Joke Workshop Mondays, 6 to 8 p.m. at the Mutant Radius. Yahoo! Tired of paying too much for your internet? Contracts and hidden fees got you down? Tired of supporting the same big cable companies that lobby against a free and open internet? Get Monkey Brains! Monkey Brains is a local internet provider who doesn't sell your data, bind you down with contracts, or trick you with hidden monthly fees. We're honest, local, and 100% net neutral. Residential internet for only $35 a month, business packages starting at $75 a month. Go to monkeybrains.net and sign up today! Everybody, listen to the weekly review with Roman every Friday from noon to 2 p.m. 
This is an unapologetically anti-capitalist program. We interview community organizers, activists, and artists. We talk about ways you can take action right now. So listen in to the Weekly Review every Friday from noon to 2 p.m. Subliminal SF visual and auditory mind control brings you the best, coolest t-shirt and hoodie designs and mind-bending local bands and shows at venues all over San Francisco and the Bay Area. Subliminal SF is here to destroy your sense of normalcy and plant ideas in your skull to make you cooler and a more awesome person. Check out all the badass products at subliminalsf.myshopify.com. That's subliminalsf.myshopify.com. And experience Subliminal SF. Michael Spiegelman. And I am Carl, not Spiegelman. We're hosts of <laughs> YouTube uh, with Michael Spiegelman. Follow us on podcast by with our acronym L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. We watch a full-length movie on YouTube with you, and you listen to the podcast and yeah. watch the movie at the same right. time. Yeah. L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. Yeah, That's every Sunday, 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, or if you're Carl, 5% Eastern Right, I'm so lazy. Three hours later, I finally get to the show, 5 p.m. Let's hear the theme song. Oh. Let's watch full-length movies. Let's do a full-minute promo. Oh, never mind. Bye. See you next month. Chester Cashcock here, and giving you my love and regard as well as movies over there. 
And uh, I just wanted to let you guys know that anytime I go swimming in my vault of rare coins and piles and piles of filthy cash, I can't help but listen to Pamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. I mean, if anyone who knows anything about comedy knows that Pamtastic's books the best of San Francisco and beyond's underground comics. It's a great showcase, and they have a fun time at Pamtastic's Deep in the Mission District, where you can laugh off your tushy for a mere $5 every Friday to 10 p.m. And I laugh because $5, I mean, that's what I use to wipe my tushy with. 